Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Again, we are going through Romans chapter 8. We're coming down toward the end of the chapter, but I love this verse of Scripture. The Bible says, in all these things, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In every area of life, someone's out there thinking we're a sheep for the slaughter. The verse doesn't say you are a sheep for the slaughter. You're accounted, estimated, looked at as a sheep for the slaughter. This is how Satan sees you. But no, in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. Let's go to the Word of God together and find out all about this. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. So glad to have you here today. We have been going in this particular series, verse by verse through Romans chapter eight. This is the 11th one. And uh, we should be closing here probably within a couple another two or three uh, lessons. But we've been taking this up verse by verse on this incredible chapter. Chapter eight's a transition in the book between the first seven chapters where Paul lays out salvation and the more importance of it, salvation by faith, moving into the grace of God, understand the grace of God, the simplicity of, of salvation by faith. Abraham and, and David are the two examples in chapter four. But when it comes to chapter six and seven, uh, Paul ran into problems with the flesh and talking about the flesh in those two chapters, the battling of the flesh and learning that even from an early start in the Christian life, carnality can be a problem. But chapter eight is that great revelation of the importance of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so chapter eight really comes into what we're headed toward in the book of Romans, as in all of Paul's books. And that is that we need to break past just the new birth and start walking in a discipleship toward the Lord. Past the point of just receiving Jesus as Savior, now beginning to grow in the things of God. We've now come to these particular verses of scripture. And by the way, I'm teaching from my book on the book of Romans. And so this will be a great blessing to you. The announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have your own copy of this book. And it'll be a great blessing for you. And listen, if you have a if you have a class, you know, a home cell, a home cell group or a Bible study or a Sunday school class or something like that that teaches the Word of God, this would be a great book for you to have because it simply breaks down uh, Romans. If you just want to teach it like I'm doing here, a chapter at a time, that would be a great thing. So again, that'll be a great blessing for you. Uh, we're now down and we just ended last time with verse 31, 32 around that area. And, the, and literally verse 31 through verse 39 are five rhetorical questions to the truths up until now in this chapter. Basically what Paul is saying is if you've learned anything up until now, these questions should be easy to understand. In other words, what should, ask, uh, what should follow each question is, duh. In other words, these are simple things. In other words, verse 31 says, what shall we then say to these things. What things? Well, in verses 35, 38, 39, we're going to talk about the problems of life, lack of food, lack of clothing, war, pestilence, all the things, worries of daily life. He said, what should we say to these things? We now found out God's calling on us, God's God's plan for us throughout all of life and into eternity too, and ultimately into heaven itself. If if God's provided those huge, incredible things, then what should we say to these things of life? I want you to notice something here very important. What do you do to the problems of life? You speak God's word to them. What did Jesus do when Satan introduced three temptations for him to throw away his earthly ministry call and follow him and bow before Satan? He said in each case, when Satan tempted him three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. What's he saying here? What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, this isn't found in the word of God, but this concept is found throughout the word of God. In other words, duh, 
We should be able to take the word of God and not only have it in our heart, but speak it out and aim it toward the problems of life. In other words, lawsuit, if God be for me, you cannot be against me. Foreclosure, if God be for me, you cannot be against me. Oh, lack of food in the in the grocery store. If God be for me, you cannot be against me. Rising cost inflation all around us. If God be for me, you cannot be against me. Speaking to the problems of life, simply saying, I know that you're around me. I know that you're affecting me, but you cannot control me. Only God controls me. God's word controls me. I refuse to let you as a problem control me. That's question number one. Question number two is this. Who, he who did not spare his own son, verse 32, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know what this verse is saying? The hardest thing and the greatest thing and the most powerful thing God ever did was save you. Well, if God did the hardest thing when he saved us, then what about meeting a financial need? In other words, if he delivered Jesus Christ up for us all, then how shall he not with him freely give us these little things? Nothing after salvation could compare to salvation. If God did the hardest thing for you and saved you and brought you into his kingdom and made you a child of God, then can't he take care of these other little things around you? So that's what he's saying here. If God saved you and redeemed you, he'll certainly take care of these other things in life. Question number three. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Question number three, it really looks at it this way. You say, yeah, but you know, it's not really just my lack of food. It's not just my lack of clothing. There's a de devil out there and I think demons are chasing after me. And this verse says, who is this that's coming against you? Didn't Jesus defeat him on the cross? completely, make a show of him openly, triumphed over him and all the demonic forces around him, make a show of them openly. Didn't he do that? And when he arose from the dead, didn't he conquer the powers of Satan and give you authority over Satan in this earth? Then why are you complaining about, ooh, it's the devil. Ooh, it's demons. Question number three simply says this, who is our enemy? The who is the one coming against me? It's Satan who condemns and brings charges against us in heaven, Zechariah chapter three and verse one, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. He stands before God and tries to accuse him, but it's God who justified us, not Satan, and he justified us from Satan. It's God who justifies us and Jesus who defends us 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, he is our advocate in heaven and God is not our condemner. Satan is our condemner. In other words, let's put it this way. If there's sin in my life and I don't confess it, yes, Satan has a right to go before God and accuse me in heaven. But the point of it is, if I, re if I repent of that sin, confess it, the case is thrown out of court altogether. And here's the beauty of it. The judge is God the Father. My defense attorney is Jesus Christ. And Satan is not even a member of the family of God. And so here's the whole point. It's like the deck is stand against me. I am being brought into court. Satan is accusing me, but my father sits on the throne and my, and my brother is fighting for me. So in essence, God says, I'm taking care of you. I get you covered on every side. Let's take a look at the next question. Question number four, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and further who is also risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So this verse is simply saying again, going back to Satan condemning us, 
Who backs the opposition against us? The one behind condemnation by people, believers and unbelievers, our one true enemy is Satan in this earth. He's the one that God delivered us from. This verse simply asks, who has the right to judge me? To judge, you must be in a position to do so. Judges sit in high places. Only one being has the highest seat, and that highest seat belongs to the spiritual judge, God himself. Satan doesn't sit in that seat. God sits in that seat. Jesus, who sits beside him, is our intercessor who paid the price for the right through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating at the right hand of the Father. The next question, the fifth question, out of the five, this is the last one. He now says in verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that's extreme pressure, or distress, this is anguish or worry, or persecution, pressure from people, or famine, that's a lack of food, or nakedness, that's a lack of clothing, or peril, that's life-threatening situations, or sword, that's war. Think about this. I think just about every gamut of life has been covered there that can come against us, at least the huge and major things of life around us. And it says, this verse simply says, and this question really asks and looks at our salvation and our daily deliverance from the Father's eyes through His love and his love for us. This is not us looking at it. We're looking at the problem. God's looking at the answer. There is not one believer the Father does not love. Seven things are mentioned in this verse which are extreme to us, but they cannot separate us from God's love. God's love for us is bigger than anything we can imagine. We can think we are forgotten in times. We need deliverance in peril, food in famine, or clothing in times of nakedness, but God never forgets it. He's asking us to think of his faithfulness and his word in every situation we face. Do you think when you tell God you've got a problem, he just now ran across it? He knew it before you did. He already had an answer to your problems before you ever even prayed about it or really that you ever even knew you had a problem. God saw it coming and prepared the way of escape before the problem ever came along. The answer to our problems will be delivered to us in due time. We just need to walk in patience. Verse 36 goes on to say, as it is written. Here's a quote from Psalm 44 and verse 22. For your sake, we are killed all the day long. This verse simply says, for your sake, we are seen as dead all the day long. We are accounted. The Greek word logizomai, it's also found back in verse 18, means to reckon or thought concluded. And he goes on to say here, we are seen as sheep for the slaughter. This word reckon, I think it's interesting. We've commented on it before, but we often use the term, especially in the South, well, I reckon so. It simply means the same thing. It means to look at something and evaluate. Look at the facts and evaluate something. Well, after looking at all that, I reckon this. I think that here's my conclusion. That's what the word means here, for we are accounted or concluded as sheep for the slaughter. I want you to notice something in this verse of scripture. We are not sheep for the slaughter. Someone sees us, accounts us, reckons us as sheep for the slaughter. It's the same one we've been talking about in the past verses. It's Satan, Satan, Satan. Satan looks at us and says, aren't they cute? Little Christians, they're like little sheep out there and God even calls them as little sheep. And you know what? He sees us like that coyote does, you know, that comes to the edge and looks over the edge of the hill. He doesn't see those sheep out there as sheep. He sees them as lamb chops roasting on a fire. And he thinks that's how easy this is going to be. I'm just going to go in there and grab one of those and carry them off. And so again, he sees this as that, but he forgets one thing. He forgets about sheepdog Jesus. 
because he's gonna run down there to grab us and bam, he's gonna meet face to face with Jesus himself. All God asks us to do is keep our trust in him. We may look like sheep for the slaughter. We may look at ourselves and think we're just sheep for the slaughter. We may think, oh my gosh, did, did, did you see this, this tornado coming? Did you see this hurricane coming? What about the earthquakes? What about lack of food, lack of clothing? We run into all these things and suddenly think, well, I'm just so helpless. No, you are not. Quit looking at yourself as a sheep for the slaughter. Satan's looking at it that way. We're going to find out again. What's all these verses been saying? No. What God is simply saying does is speak the word to the circumstances. Trust in me in the circumstances. See if I will not bring you through because you are not your deliverer. You have been sent into this life to witness about me, to give into my kingdom, to do all these other things, but you have not been called on yourself to try to defend yourself. God said, I will take care of you. Deliverance is mine, says the Lord. I will justly pay back anything that comes into your life. I will take care of you. God is our shield. God is our buckler. God is our defense. See you right after the break. Romans New Testament Commentary is a verse-by-verse teaching of the Book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the sin nature. To order Romans New Testament Commentary, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I can't look at verse 36 without thinking, you know, I was as I was growing up, we had a television and black and white from what I remember most of the time, but I would always like to watch cartoons on Saturday morning. My dad used to like to watch baseball and other things like that, but you know, we only had one TV. So it's, it was a wrestling over it because I wanted to watch my cartoons. And one of my favorite was Roadrunner and those types of cartoons, but there was always, you know, and, and oftentimes that coyote that was chasing after him or the wolf or whatever it happened to be the bad one in the cartoon would often climb up a hill, you know, look just over the top of the hill and see the the sheep out there eating. 
And of course, as I've said before, he didn't see sheep eating. He saw lamb chops roasting on a fire or this entire, you know, lamb roasting on a fire. He just saw, because what he saw was these little lambs couldn't defend themselves. So he would sneak over there. And of course he would go to grab one of those uh, lambs. And the moment he did, he would meet sheepdog face to face. And sheepdog was always this big thing. Sheepdog would grab him and, you know, beat him up all over the place and stuff and everything. And then when he finally was able to walk off, you know, he had stars all around his head and, you know, birds chirping all around his head and everything because he was totally disoriented and he went crawling off somewhere and fell down somewhere else. Well, that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus isn't seen all the time, but his effects are. The one who protects me is Jesus Christ, all the angels of heaven, the Holy Spirit's my protector. In fact, we even find the word of God that peace is your protector. In the book of Philippians, with all these things that the, the peace of God will keep your heart. The word keep means to guard. He's a guard over me. I am protected in so many ways. Plus, the scriptures are my protection. I mean, the scriptures are my wall, my defense. And, uh, you know, and also God has given me weapons. And these weapons are from the word of God. There's the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. You go down the list of things here. And again, we are so well covered. And even though Bob is still a human being and you're still a human being, and we tend to look at the problems of life as facing it with our humanity. I don't know if my composition's made to handle this problem. You know, I don't know if mentally I can handle this problem over here. Listen, in Jesus Christ, you can do all things. And that's what these verses are being written. Get your eyes off yourself and start looking to the one that redeemed you, the one who defends you, the one who protects you. And quit looking at the devil and the problems of this world and governments and decisions made by the Supreme Court, decisions made by Congress or Senate or a president, and quit looking at those things thinking, oh my gosh, they're coming out against us. What are we going to do? What are they going to do if they come against the church? What's going to happen, you know, as we move closer toward the time of the rapture of Jesus? Jesus said, you're going to see these things all come to pass. Finish the verse. He said, but don't be concerned. Don't be worried about it. Look up. Lift up your head. Your redemption draws near. So we need to see that. God is our protector. So we have in these forms of scripture here, all these protections. And in verse 36, he says again, even in the Psalms, it was written and they didn't have as much scripture as we did. We have the new birth. They didn't have the new birth. We have a position with Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth that they didn't have. And I mean, we are a kingdom of priests. They weren't a kingdom of priests. They had a priesthood on the earth that they would go to for confession of sins or to ask a question or to get into the presence of God. We just walk into the presence of God. We walk boldly before the throne of God. Why? Because we are a priest going before for our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are members of the family of God. And therefore we've been given all these weapons from the word of God. And verse 36 says again, as it is written, Psalm 44 and verse 22, for your sake, we are killed all the day. Satan, you look at yourself saying, well, am I, why is he after me? He's not after you. He's after the God who saved you and redeemed you. It's because of God living in me and the world will hate me because of that. And Satan and demons hate me because of that. For your sake, we are killed all the day long. No, you're not. You're seen as killed. It goes on to qualify that for we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. The Greek word accounted means to reckon or to look at and calculate. We are calculated as sheep for the slaughter, but we are not. We are in danger all day from unseen forces because we are believers and have God's life and God's nature in us. We are always enemies to Satan. We are not sheep for the slaughter. We are accounted 
viewed or seen as sheep to be slain and eaten. And we, in the eyes of Satan, have as much defense as a lamb trying to defend itself. What you're forgetting is the shepherd and the sheepdog and the rod and the staff that they carry, which are greater than Satan. This is seen from the viewpoint of the world and the viewpoint of Satan. He sees us, the world sees us, unbelievers see us, and governments see us as pray, easily taken, naive. But when our defense is the word of God, we are protected from all of these. Our protection is the love and the power of the chief shepherd himself, Jesus Christ. Verse 37 goes on to say, yet the Greek word Allah means adversely or no. It simply means no. On the other hand, yet means on the other hand, and the other hand from it looks like means absolutely not. What are we? We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things, it goes on to say in this verse of scripture, in all these things, but no, in every situation, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love the Greek word here. It means we are super above and beyond conquerors through him that loved us. You think you've seen conquerors in life. You have not seen a spiritual conqueror. You think you've watched Superman in the movies. You think you've seen Batman. You think you've seen The Flash, all these other ones that's going on in movies around us today, which is all imaginary. God said, no, I have my superheroes in this earth and my superheroes might go around looking like Clark Kent. They may look like sheep, but I live in them. I walk in them. I breathe in them. My life is in them. And through that, they are more than conquerors through him, Jesus Christ, who loved us. This is the verse for me. So what you should be able to cry out is in the middle of all these things, when fear comes your way, adversity comes your way, when the problems like come your way and you feel like you're about to go under, just stop and say, no, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me. Jesus Christ is our personal strength through the Holy Spirit and by the power of God's word. We're greater than Satan. We're greater than demons. We're greater than unbelievers. We're, we're greater than carnal believers or the problems of life. Why? Because it's through him who loved us. Verse 38 and verse 39 coming up now teaches us 10 things that cannot possibly separate us from God's love through our relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, we've covered some of these things, but now he's going to go into detail, speaking more about what's, what's coming against us. Some are spiritual, some are natural. And he's going to point out that really nothing spiritual, nothing natural. Once we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, nothing can separate me from that. Absolutely nothing. I can't even separate myself from that. There's a lot of things I can separate myself from. I can separate myself from fellowship with God. I can separate myself from problems of life through God. I can separate myself through sin in my life, unforgiveness in my life. I can also separate myself from thinking my own thoughts that they're somehow better than the thoughts of God. Trying to find my own way out of problems rather than looking to God's word first. But you know what? I can't separate myself from God's love. He always loves me. Even when I'm at my lowest point, he loves me. Even when I'm as carnal as possible, just like the father loved the prodigal, never stopped looking for him to come back home. And one day the prodigal came back home. The prodigal immediately confessed his sins. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Didn't even get to finish what he wanted to say. He felt so bad. He said, Father, if you'll just make me like one of the hired servants. That's what he planned in the pig pen to say. Never got to that point. The father threw his arms around him, put a robe on him, put shoes on his feet 
made a banquet for him. All I can say is the love was never gone. So it's simply saying here, you might do a lot of things in life, but you can't separate yourself from God. Here's the other thing. God himself can't separate himself from you. Once I became born again, God the Father loves me. I'm in him. He's in me. And again, in these verses I'm talking about, God's simply saying, keep your eyes on that. Understand something. Satan's trying to separate you from me. He says, but he can't do it. Fallen angels are trying to do that. Demons are trying to do that. The problems of life, evil people in this earth are trying to tell you your relationship with God is nothing. Is there really even a God? They'll get into all kinds of things they'll tell you, trying to get into your brain and stop your thinking. But even if you're, pardon me, a dumb Christian, a stupid Christian, questioning whether or not there's really even a God at all, you are born again. And I simply think that when you die and walk through the gates of heaven, Jesus is going to meet you and say, stupid, 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 but welcome to heaven. Welcome to your eternal home that you've had ever since you received me as Lord and Savior. So verses 38 and verse 39 are going to teach us 10 things that absolutely cannot separate us from God's love because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 38 says this, for I am persuaded. I love that verse of scripture. We all need to come to this point. Listen, whether you're persuaded of this or not, it's still true. You, don't, you may think that you know something can separate you from God, but you know what? You need to become persuaded the other way because even if you're thinking that way, you're wrong. Paul said, because Paul went through these things, there's things in life you begin to think after a while, am I really born again? I don't think Christians went through this. Next of all, why are all these problems coming against me? Am I, have I got sin in my life? Am I carnal? You know, have I lost my salvation? Are you down these lists of things that God's going, no, no, no. You need to study my word and become persuaded and understand problems will always be there because Satan's going to always be there until I remove him from this earth. You're going to have problems in this earth because why? There's a curse on this earth. I left you in the midst of it, not to become overwhelmed by them, but for you to overwhelm them. For you to stand on my word, use my name, understand your authority in me, quote the verses of scripture at them. In verse 38, Paul says, I am persuaded. And what he means here is I have reached a point of utmost confidence. I have learned, I have taken in the things of God, and now I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. He's going to go down the list of so many things, and we will honestly get more into them in the next broadcast. I simply want you to understand what God is saying here is the most important thing of all. To be persuaded, you have to understand his word. Being born again is the first thing, but after that, Jesus said to those Jews that just accept him as Savior, he said, now if you continue in my word, then you may be my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's what Paul's talking about in this verse of scripture. I've come to a point where I am persuaded. The word of God has become so much a part of my thinking that now when I run into problems, I don't think they're gonna overwhelm me. I simply quote the word of God at them, knowing the word of God says, I've already been set free from these things and God's gonna watch over me, protect me and bring me out successfully on the other side. This is what persuasion is. I am persuaded. I have the utmost confidence that nothing in death, nothing in life, no angel, angelic uh, being, elect or fallen, 
nor principalities, these are demons, nor satanic powers, nor anything going on at this moment or anything yet to come can ever separate me from the love of God. So this is what Paul is saying, and this is the point we need to come to. In other words, the reason why I even have this broadcast is to continually give you the word of God, to change your thinking. And like I've said before, God wants to remove the mind of Bob and replace it with the mind of Christ. And that comes through the development and the renewing of the mind through the promises of the word of God. So understanding this, I look forward to the next broadcast when I'll see you again and we will go through these promises one by one, understanding our position in Jesus Christ. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.